0: Welcome to the 2020 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network. Proudly celebrating 15 years, here's your host, Luke McCormick.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormick. During today's show, we will discuss how the explosion of big data is being addressed in government programs. With me on today's show are Michael Conlin, Chief Business Analytics Officer, Department of Defense. Tom Sasela, Chief Data Officer, Department of Navy. Ron Thompson, Chief Data Officer at NASA. Nick Saki, Principal Systems Engineer, North American Federal Pure Storage. Henry Sowell, Chief Information Officer at Cloudera Government Solutions. And John Harmon, Vice President of Worldwide Sales, BMC Software. We're talking about big data. It's a big subject. A lot of great capabilities out there in storage, compute. Analyze and visualize Uh, and certainly there's a lot of federal agencies including these three that are doing all this and more Uh, Michael, let's start with you. Tell us about the state of the state. I think you got one of the coolest titles in the federal government chief business analytics officer Tell us about that and tell us what you're doing over there at DOD these days Well, so
2: the title is actually part of the big news um, after uh, I spent two years as the first chief data officer for the Department of Defense, and our challenge was fundamentally grappling with over 10,000 different operational IT systems, every one of which was generating data in a completely different way. And so we had to bring together all of the data from all of those authoritative sources, standardize it, and make it ready for executives to make decisions on. It. When we spent two years doing that, we got our data to a high degree of quality and availability. And so now the attention is turned to analyzing that data to generate insights to improve the department's performance. So it's all about business analytics and insights. And uh, we're, you know, the data is running along smoothly now at high quality. But the key thing is we're delivering insights for the secretary, the deputy secretary, the chief management officer, and all the other principal staff advisors to the to the secretary. Um, we're even building out the department's first balanced scorecard. Now, as you'll remember, federal agencies are supposed to have balanced scorecards and have been for over a decade. Well, we have now turned our attention to turning on a real balanced scorecard for the department that's enabling the secretary and the deputy to make decisions on a department-wide basis, whereas was we always were making siloed decisions about siloed parts of the department. Now we can tune the entire ecosystem of the department for improved affordability and performance. And that's good for the taxpayer, that's good for the warfighter. So really good news. The work has supported the efforts for the defense-wide review, the reform, and the other priorities in the national defense strategy. And I take a lot of satisfaction in being a big part of that story. So now Chief Business Analytics Officer, and lots more to do because there are plenty of opportunities for improvement ahead of us. A lot
1: of data, a lot of data to analyze and I I love to see the fact that you know DOD has sort of you know brought it to the next level of extraction and really just sort of using all this information now to make these decisions via scorecards and and the like which is uh, super impressive. Uh, Tom how about over at the Navy we had uh, a subject uh, a couple of weeks ago maybe a month ago on 5G and it was just amazing some of the things they were doing as far as just collecting data in regards to across the various entities. Tell us what's happening over at uh, at the Navy.
3: Yeah so similar to where uh, Michael kind of jumped in there so we we've spent probably the last year and I am the, the first uh, chief data officer for the whole department uh, so spent a year trying to get the program off the ground. I think we made a lot of great progress with Michael's help and now with uh, Dave Spurk, who's the DOD CEO as well uh, so we've really been focusing on some of what I'll call the fundamentals uh, for the department so far, which is really getting our governance in line, getting our policies kind of um, analyzed, I can't say they've all been fixed yet, uh, and then getting our enterprise data environment off the ground and start focusing on some of the quality, the accessibility, and the availability of the data. So. That's uh, our new data platform, Jupyter, which I'll talk about probably later, is uh, really the center of our focal point for getting our data analytics in order. And then what happens is Jupyter will feed it which is the system that uh, Michael was uh, kind of talking about just a minute ago. So uh, that's really where we've been focused in large part, uh, working with the the US Navy and the US Marine Corps to kind of get them organized relative to the department uh, writ large, and then getting us plugged into the broader uh, DOD initiatives, not only with the DOD CDO, but there's some initiatives going on in joint staff to get uh, better interoperability across the warfighting systems, which is going to be paramount to any sort of uh, peer-adversary conflict we might end up in the future. So it's been a lot of work, um, uh, but we're uh, we're on our path, and I think we have some exciting times ahead of us.
1: Yeah, I love the uh, the, the, the framework, the tracks that are being laid down, the sort of ecosystem that's that's uh, being formulated across the entire DoD entity. It's uh, super exciting to hear that. Yeah. Talk about exciting. Ron, what a great time to be at NASA. Tell us what's happening over there in regards to all this fantastic data that's being collected at NASA.
0: Absolutely. Luke. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for having me today. You know, like, like we just heard from Michael and Tom, I think a lot of us are uh, in the same in the same um, position, you know, I am the uh, NASA's first chief data officer. Been in this role for just north of a year now, uh, and it is exciting times. NASA is a very large agency um, and a very federated agency, so we have huge data sets in the science community, human exploration, uh, and then in our flight area too, in our aeronautics area. So we really have three three really distinct domains where data is uh, purpose built. So our play is really, you know, after we get through, like many federal agencies, is IDing what we have and going through the inventory uh, and tagging um, are really, and make it searchable. So these are all the FAIR principles that all of us data, chief data officers are, are espousing to and working quite nicely together. And I want to get into this as, as we go in through the, this afternoon's talk um, about the interagency uh, collaboration that's happening. But, you know, for NASA, our play right now is identifying what we have, putting it in inventory, and working on standards and interoperability. You know, we are not sure um, what uh, questions we can ask if we put disparate data sets together, so it's an exciting time. I mean, just look at uh, space exploration, planetary exploration, there are a lot of questions that that folks haven't even thought of yet. And by making these data available and mashing them up together, we're gonna be able to um, to answer some some very uh, interesting questions in the future so we're really excited about it and really eager to work as a community across the federal space together.
1: I, I really love to hear this, you know, that, that, that we're, we're sort of out of the pliers and wires and just simply tagging of this data and really looking at sort of this higher order. And certainly do appreciate the, uh, the, the effort that NASA has and, and all the agencies to expose whatever data they can to sort of the general public and allow the ecosystem to use that in, in ways that none of us even thought about. Uh, Nick, uh, well, uh, once we collect this, we certainly have to store it. We have to store it efficiently. We have to be able to retrieve it, etc. And pure storage is right in the middle of that. Tell us, tell us, uh, you know, tell us about the state of the state about what you're seeing from from a pure storage perspective.
4: What we're seeing is a very conscious recognition uh, across government, across agencies, across all of our customer base that it's really about the agility. Uh, and availability of the data service itself for driving the applications, for driving the discovery mechanisms, and, and being able to obtain those insights um, without, as you said, having to worry about turning the wrenches on the infrastructure to make it work. Or, as I've, I've said in the past, beating your infrastructure into submission so that you can actually get work done.
1: So, <laughs> I haven't heard it described that way.
4: So we, we really think of... of where we are today is trying to deliver to customers this modern data experience where the focus is on the application development discovery and and leveraging the data as opposed to trying to make the data service infrastructure, the compute infrastructure at large work. And and that's manifested itself in a number of different ways. Obviously customers are exploring cloud-based capabilities because of the push button deployment and simplicity, but they're also discovering that there's, there's ways to deliver that same kind of capability that that seamless uh, operations capability within uh, their own infrastructure on premises. So this gives them tremendous flexibility in where they make the data available, how they use it, where they deploy it, how they back it up, how they recover it especially. Uh, and we're, we're really focused you know, at the, the wholesale level of data. How do we make it available and useful for our customers? And that's, that's proven to be uh, tremendously uh, flexible and powerful for a number of different agencies, particularly in this era.
1: Right, and obviously the demand signal is there to develop this type of technology, the volumes and volumes, dump truck loads of data that's being collected and, and being able to have it accessible. So again, you know, almost don't have to think about that and you can just kind of take it to the next level. Henry, exactly. uh, tell us about uh, what's happening at Cloudera. You're sort of right smack in the middle of this, this data you know, explosion revolution. Um, tell us what, uh, what are you seeing out there?
5: Absolutely. Well, good afternoon, thanks for having me on. Uh, It's great to be here again with such a good group of panelists.
1: Pleasure to have you.
5: And uh, so we're working with many organizations across the public sector, everything from working on the 2020 census to partnering with uh, NASA. And and as a combat veteran, it's actually really exciting for me, some of the work Cloudera is doing with a number of Department of Defense organizations uh, to find new opportunities and efficiencies around digital transformation. That's been a big focus, uh, whether it's using data-driven logistics to help put fuel and supplies where they're needed, or using machine learning for predictive maintenance uh, to keep vehicles rolling and aircraft in the air. Um, we're tackling all these areas. And on the, on the machine learning and analytics front, uh, we're actively supporting um, the DoD with uh, full data lifecycle needs. And and I think what, what that means is uh, everything from the collection, storage, and analysis of data to using machine learning to help defeat adversaries and protect uh, the warfighter, um, which is near and dear to my heart.
1: Really that uh, sort of triple play of activity there to allow these folks to, again, uh, use this data to make these uh, very important decisions. John, how about over at BMC Software, why don't you give us a little bit of a a top line as to how they fit into this picture. BMC's been around uh, with us in the community for a long time, do a lot of different things. Where do you all fit in in regards to this, uh, you know, big data revolution? Yeah, thank you very much. So look, um, as you said, BMC's been around for a long time, um, and
6: I've been around for a big part of that long time as well with BMC. Um, But for us specifically in our portfolio, we think about things like automation and orchestration. And the role of automation and orchestration, and subsequently the technology that is supporting things like that, like BMC's Control-M, has really, really evolved and changed quite a bit over the years from things like traditional batch or job scheduling where we're managing business processes and the like to starting to play a more integral part in data pipeline orchestration. So right now we're focusing on things like simplifying the complexity that most of our customers are facing while also trying to deliver against a lot of these new initiatives that we're hearing about today. Um, And they're trying to do that at great speed. They're trying to do that at great scale and with industrial grade results. So we're helping automate every step of that big data project, whether it's ingesting the data from hundreds of applications or if it's developing workflows to process the data, then deliver the results back to the users and the other systems so that they can analyze that. We're trying to help agencies develop those critical integrations that we think are necessary between those big data platforms and that vast variety of legacy platforms to make sure that these newer systems like Hadoop and the like, don't become just another pocket or a silo of automation in the ecosystem. By the way, we're, we're seeing this across the board. We're seeing this in public and private sectors, whether it's an agency responsible for overseas climate intelligence for the field, or if it's a truck manufacturing company who wants to capture millions of data points for its fleet of vehicles to proactively route its trucks to dealer service centers or whatever when they, they need attention. But the evolution that we're seeing right now, it's really, really fascinating.
1: And I think it speaks to
6: the importance of data and, and a big part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing today.
1: Right. Got to be able to collect it, got to be able to tag it. You know, we all wrestled with unstructured data for the longest time. And now, you know, as we're hearing, you got to be able to sort of normalize it across interagency, et cetera. And the ability to do that and not have that be the project, but the project be the outcome is just fantastic. I'd love to hear that. Tom, uh, we like to talk about specific programs uh, where uh, perhaps big data is uh, doing big things. Let's start with you over at the Navy. I know you've got many examples. Give us one big one, or just one, uh, you know, one that you'd like to highlight for the audience here in regards to uh, an activity that's underway there at the Navy. Sure thing, so uh, we are in the process of building out our enterprise data environment, uh, which is
3: uh, called Jupiter. So it is an offshoot or an extension of a broader OSD program that Michael's very familiar with called uh, Advana. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. So uh, the key thing about Jupyter is it takes uh, all of our disparate data sources, what we're characterizing as our systems of record or systems of ground truth, and brings them all together and integrates them into a platform that has a variety of different tools on it. And the entire suite, the entire package is actually running in the cloud, it's certified for use. So Mm -hmm. the key thing there is that analysts can get in there and use uh, high-end visualization tools uh, to take the data, integrate the data, and create dashboards for it. There are also machine learning and artificial intelligence tools in there where they can go in and actually write algorithms and not have to worry about the RMF process, getting ATOs, getting software put onto the system, you know, downloading things, getting things integrated. So it provides this ecosphere for data integration, which is super exciting, at least to me in the department. It's something that we haven't had in the past. And so we're taking our big data producing systems like Navy ERP, MPTE, which is our um, My Navy HR for military. personnel and um, the noble program which handles our sustainment logistics and we are integrating those in with jupiter and then slowly starting to tackle some of the what i'll call medium-sized systems and then working our way down into the smaller systems and so we're very uh, diligently trying to look at the data sources uh, curate the data as it comes in create a data ingestion pipeline, ultimately our goal over the next probably 12 months or so and we're actually getting really close to a, a, a big step in this is get automated interfaces between these systems rather than kind of a batch processing system. And so just found out yesterday actually the Noble program has actually created their API. We have our API to receive that data. So in the next couple of weeks, hopefully we can get an automated exchange between those two systems. So that when records come into the system of record and users are using the systems and interacting with them for like maintenance and repair overhaul or supply chain management, that will trigger an event inside the system itself to send the change record over to Jupiter, so that there's no batch processing. There's no question, is this data up to date or not? And so it's just a matter of rerunning your analytics or just opening the dashboard and refreshing. You get the latest view of the data. So that is a dramatic departure from where we have been in the past where data has really been siloed you know we've had end user systems uh for users to interact and do things for a long time but what we've always lacked is the ability to stitch those systems together and more importantly really just understand our ecosphere and uh, have a detailed look across the department about where we are on a variety of different topics so uh, we are creating an investment management dashboard right now uh, with the tool which is really interesting as we we we're in the process of planning Ironically for Palm 23, even though we haven't even started 21 yet, Um, but using Jupiter and actually using the data that we own to create dashboards to show us where we're making our investments in 2021 to help us inform where we want to go in 23. Again, this is is just a complete radical change from the way that we've done this in the past. And so Secretary Harker, prior to his uh, departure to OSD, actually gave us a very uh, difficult task, which is to, to turn the entire POM process
1: into a digital process. Fantastic. Um, I, I love the, the idea paper. of making all the data <laughs> and making these higher order decisions. is just outstanding, right? It right. just uh, certainly warms my heart. Well, we're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network.
7: Here's Gary Newgard, Vice President of Public Sector at Pure Storage.
4: At Pure, we are committed to helping transform government IT with our industry-leading flash storage solutions and modern data experience. With simplified business models like Evergreen and Pure as a Service, agencies are able to greatly reduce the complexity and expense of managing their data infrastructure.
7: Learn more about Pure Storage. Visit purestorage.com. That's purestorage.com. Are you struggling to maintain data quality in your big data initiatives? A complicated web of applications and data sources make it difficult to scale these projects. What's the secret to success? Automated end-to-end data pipeline orchestration. Control-M from BMC gives you full visibility and control over every aspect of your data pipeline so you can deliver new services faster and with less errors. Learn how BMC can help orchestrate your agency's data pipeline needs at bmc.com slash public sector.
8: At Cloudera, they believe that data can make what is impossible today possible tomorrow. Cloudera empowers the public sector to transform complex data into clear and actionable insights for government agencies and organizations. Cloudera delivers an enterprise data cloud for any data, anywhere from the edge to AI. Powered by the relentless innovation of the open source community. Cloudera advances mission-critical digital transformation for the public sector's largest enterprises. Learn more at cloudera.com. Welcome back to the Federal Executive
1: Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about big data and we're talking about big projects. I was going to throw it over to you. Henry, uh, give, us, uh, give us some insight as to what you're seeing. You see uh, you have a, a big opportunity to see a lot of things across the ecosystem. Give us an example of a, a program that uh, you all are working on that you'd like to highlight.
5: Yeah, thank you. And, and one, I'm just excited to hear uh, the incredible work that Tom and Michael are doing in the DoD with Advana and, and just the insights that are gay uh, that they're gaining. It's in part supported by Cloudera. And so another example, I think that one piece Tom highlighted is, is critical and that's in gaining actionable intelligence from real-time data. Um, and that it's more important than ever. Uh, We recently were working on a survey with Meritalk, and they surveyed over 150 government executives and showed that nearly everybody's focused on the importance of data, which I think is obvious why we're here. Um, And 85% saw that streaming data was um, key to modern decision making. But what was interesting about it, only 53% had a formal uh, strategy for streaming data. And less than a third of those were actually confident in their ability to gain insights from data originating from um, a variety of different uh, sources. And you know, it, it, something that's near and dear to everybody is like this quarantine period. And, and one of the important pieces of work that we were doing uh, was with a research organization that is working to find treatments and a vaccine for COVID-19. And um, similar to some of the things that Tom has, has been doing a lot of uh, innovation in, in taking legacy batch systems and moving them to more real time, uh, we were working with this with this group that was using legacy techniques to ingest data, and they were, you know, think about how fast the um, COVID spread was happening. They were doing um, data analysis on a batch process once a day, um, and and what we worked with was to help them create a real time uh, data analysis pipeline that was flexible enough to onboard uh, a, a multitude of, of new data sources very quickly. Um, And it was really critical to leading to significant advances in their research. And I think it's a really incredible example. And it's an example for the broader public sector space is that you you can no longer depend on um, a static set of data sources. Um, And that real time is incredibly important. And it's something very interesting that we're involved with.
1: And look, we're we're living in a real time world. So we have to be able to process and store, analyze this data in a real-time way, right? I mean, that's just a a fact, full stop. Ron, uh, how about, I'm glad to see, by the way, that uh, you all are right smack in the middle of that, enabling that for for all of these entities. Uh, Ron, um, uh, you know, look, first of all, congratulations on the the manned space flight out of, Kennedy Space Center to the International Space Center, and a lot of good capability uh, happening at NASA these days. Tell us about one project that you're working on using this big data to sort of, you know, make it happen, if you will. So
0: it, it really is an exciting time to be here, Luke. You know, we have missions going, being launched, it seems every week uh, down at Kennedy. You know, we have a couple of Falcon nines going up uh, later this month, and a Starlink Falcon nine going up, and next year we have the the Webb Telescope launching. So these are really big programs for exploration going up, and we haven't missed a beat. So, so what we're doing, uh, much like what we heard, you know, from Tom um, about earlier, is putting up a. Visualization layer for our data, and we're calling that that initiative the Executive Decision Lens. And what we noted is uh, early on in the COVID crisis, uh, our medical community was spending a lot of time on contact tracing and really getting sort of the lay mm-hmm. of the land. So we we got uh, we you know we got a group together and worked across um, multiple domains at NASA. Um, you know, we had HR involved, and the HR um, um, folks were actually the product owner of this executive decision lens, and that worked well in an agile environment. It allowed us to come together and and be there, uh, be there to to bring data to answer questions about our profile. You know, what what is our in, uh, profile for each of our centers? You know, how how are the cases looking? And before we we stood that up, Luke, it was it was. Uh, um, I think the Chief Medical Officer uh, was spending all day Friday gathering local data up, putting it in a spreadsheet, and and trying to come up with some normalization uh, across the geographic areas for for decisions about you know what is our posture, you know when do we want to make sure our employees are really protected? Uh, so, so we, we quickly saw the need and stood up, you know, exactly, and Tom, I just want to footstomp a lot of what you said, a way to get in disparate data sets and put in APIs in the cloud that's that's very agile. You don't need a lot of the, uh, you know, the ATOs setting up disparate systems for this. So, we saved, um, you know, a lot of time in the medical community. We we actually stood up a contact tracing app that was b- based on uh, what a lot of the state and local um, um Communities were doing at the time, and we, we have that capability. I think we are one of the first agencies that has a contact tracing app, uh, to my knowledge. And working across the federal community, we were able to normalize data, use data definitions that were standardized, so we were all looking at the same posture the same way. Because look, as you know, a lot of these these um, locations where we have our federal workforce are co-located. We have uh, the DOD in many of our sites, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Um, so so we. You know, if we didn't have that normalization done and, and looking at these definitions across, we would be reporting different things. And you know, people are smart; they talk to one another, even though they're in separate agencies, and they say, "Hey, your agency saying this, uh, this agency saying something completely different." So this allowed us to really work together as a uh, one community. And what we're doing with the executive decision lens is not, and make it scalable. So we're putting in the groundwork to make it scalable for other data sources as well. So, is, you know, it is it is just a fantastic effort at, at
1: coming together and, and making our people safe in this uncertain times is, is very important. NASA has had a banner year at this point. So, you know, the show had to go on and it did go on. John, let's jump over to you at BMC. Uh, tell us about uh, a specific project once again, you have the opportunity to look across the landscape here. Uh, why don't you highlight for us uh, a specific project that you all have been involved in? Yeah, so I mean, we,
6: we do have an opportunity, um, again, as we're looking across the, both po- uh, public and private sectors, we, we do have an opportunity to get exposed to a lot of really, really cool things, a lot of which you guys and gals are hearing today from, from this crew. Um, here most recently, uh, w- we were working with, and by the way, this is a very common concept of a use case, But we've been working with um, certain manufacturers that make uh, really, really big vehicles um, on the planet. Um, They have this opportunity to collect a tremendous amount of data um, from the vehicles that they have on the streets. Mm -hmm. Um, And what they need to be able to do is collect that data from multiple sources, from thousands of trucks, um, so that they can start to predict when um, there is the potential for um, service that needs to be done on a truck. And oh, by the way, if there is service that requires certain parts, um, that those parts are proactively ordered and they're shipped to the service center so that that truck, when it arrives at the service center, it gets the work that it's done so it's back on the road. So for them, it's about keeping their fleet um, up, uh, keeping their fleet on the road, um, and this is something that they really, really struggled to do very early. Again, you're hearing some of it here, the, the, the orchestration of collecting all of that data, ingesting it, moving it from source to source, and actually getting some actionable insights that they could proactively push on. That was something that they really, really struggled with. They were doing it with duct tape and bailing wire. Um, so they, they really needed to find a way to streamline that process and to do something that, that most agencies and organizations are struggling to do bring that to scale. Um, They're finding ways to, to, to put it together with tape, but when they want to actually roll out that to production, it's becoming very, very difficult to do that. So when you bring in that element of scale um, when you bring in things like, you know, the requirements for service level agreements, I, I need to be able to, to uh, you know, to, to rely on this for production ready for my consumers or for my constituents, what have you, that, that's when things start to get really, really complex. So we're seeing a lot of cool examples like that, uh, again, across the globe.
1: Yeah, seeing this supply chain and logistics sort of, you know, t- stitched together with maintenance is interesting. And I'm hearing a lot about scale and automation, right? That's the only way you can really scale and, and and do it in a repeatable fashion. Michael, how about over at Department of Defense? I know there's a lot of activity going on over there. You wanna highlight one program that's, uh, you're taking it to new heights in this uh, new role that you're in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to, to bridge from that last topic of conversation about supply chain. Um, We've had a number of uh, exercises to help the department manage its response to the COVID-19 pandemic, which of course is front and center for many decision makers today. When we built this common operating picture that pulls data not only from internal department sources, but from a variety of authoritative external sources, uh, HHS, CDC, Johns Hopkins, there there are dozens of them. And of course they're external. So we have no direct control over them uh, about, we have no direct control over their data quality, over their analytics, et cetera. But we needed to bring them all together to create a common operating picture for the department. Now, as a specific example of why that's paid off for us, in one case, we were able to look into our supply chain, including our suppliers' suppliers, and see specific challenges. There was one one supplier that had a a problem with delivery of uh, PPE in its supply chain. And we were able to spot it, bring it to their attention before they had become aware of that problem in their supply chain. Mm -hmm. So really powerful insights into a space that we don't even directly control the data for or the analytics for. Uh, In a parallel example, Luke, we've created an installation commander's dashboard that lets every, as you know, in the Department of Defense, we push authority down where responsibility is and so we let every installation commander make the decision what health protection condition their installation is at, because that insta- that uh, triggers protocols for scanning, uh, in interviewing people, temperature scanning, um, uh, social distancing, etc. In order to do that, we had to create a very dynamic installation commander's dashboard because, you know, the thing about the pandemic is it's, it's intensely local. This county will have a spike, whereas the other three counties around your installation may not have a spike may be on a downward trend. So you need data that varies from installation to installation to installation. Maybe it's a five mile radius at this fort and it's a 50 mile radius here at the Pentagon. And so presenting that information directly in the scope of the authority of that installation commander is a real big data challenge. And we've been able to give them the specific data that they need in order to make the call of what health protection condition their installation should be at. And that affects commuting, that affects uh, relocations of people, that affects a wide range of things, but it's all driven by data. It's not driven by dates, it's not driven by politics, it's driven by data analytics that tell the installation commander what they need to know. And we give them the controls.
1: Cold hard facts and real time data, and I love the uh, example of uh, uh, almost, uh, I guess, a supplier uh, supply chain for your uh, supplier suppliers, if you will, across the defense industrial base. That's uh, that's pretty darn impressive. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm amazed to hear that, quite frankly. Uh, Nick, how about at uh, Pure Storage? I, I know you uh, once again you're you're in a uh, uh, the catbird seat there, where you're looking across all of the, these agencies across the 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 private sector and seeing a lot of these various activities give us an example of uh, where you know uh, you know big data is really coming into play doing big things at uh, uh, whether it's a private sector or public sector entity
4: it is incredibly encouraging to hear the success stories from you know the government leaders on this panel uh, and it is obviously uh, striking that you have you know the, big data processing with Cloudera, data orchestration and integration with BMC, and of course, you know, primary data service or data service infrastructure with Pure. All of these things are designed to support the fundamental four Vs of data, you know, volume, velocity, variety, and veracity to to help decision makers make smart, timely, relevant, accurate, and predictive decisions. So all that was to say that how fast you can know is driven by how fast you can move and your entire data stack uh, is, is architected to provide that kind of agility and adaptability. You know, a year ago we weren't thinking about doing uh, contact tracing and epidemiology and, um, you know, viral genomic sequencing and things of that nature. We have data distributed across, you know, a wide variety of agencies, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, the Department of Defense or Health and Human Services. Uh, we have seen an incredible rise in, in cyber crime and, and cyber threat activity as well, because everybody's working outside of their, their network boundaries and, and having to remotely come in, which creates, you know, it inverts all of the threat vectors that we've designed our networks to to function in in government. So what we've tried to support and what we've seen tremendous increases in happening are things like. You know, cyber network simulation and environment simulation, as well as uh, supporting things like uh, folding at home uh, or uh, activities in health and human services that are driven around uh, large you know, very large scale gene sequencing. we work with a lot of companies who have large data analytics platforms, but what we're finding, uh, as, as Henry said, is their ability to get through larger and larger quantities of data is driven in, in very large degree by being able to pull data through fire hoses rather than soda straws. So our, our fundamental premise at Pure Storage was, was designing systems that would support higher volume, higher velocity uh, data service and data access to get to shorten the time to knowledge and awareness and to shorten the decision-making cycle. So data service has to keep up and has to facilitate, you know, the kind of agility that we're, uh, that it was required to provide this orchestration uh, without uh, trying to refactor or rebuild everything to support a new data use case. It just has to be assumed that the data can be provided, delivered, manipulated, uh, reserved, recycled, um, and then of course backed up and recovered without having to do anything, uh, anything really major or even... Uh, you know, just trivial support for those kinds of, of data usages the infrastructure so the infrastructure is designed to support people people are not designed to support infrastructure so we're seeing that that demand being placed on you know, software and hardware providers um, whether they're you know cloud based or or you know on premises customers don't want to have to manage their infrastructure anymore they don't want to have to work hard to to get work done and that's that's been you know, a fundamental premise of ours and uh, for literally since our founding. So we're, we're, seeing that we're seeing that the, the service-based economy and the service-based demand of customers uh, is, is requiring industry to answer that because people want to get to work on working on that data and finding out what they need to know in order to make those decisions, as opposed to having to work a very long time just to get the infrastructure necessary to make it happen.
1: Right. And it really needs to be uh, reliable. It needs to be dependable, right? It needs to be secure. Without question. Uh, uh, You know, and it needs to be uh, real time and on demand uh, in in, in this kind of environment. All right. Well, we could uh, uh, go all day on that one, but we're going to take another short break here. And uh, we'll be back in a few moments. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on the Federal News
8: Network. At Cloudera, they believe that data can make what is impossible today possible tomorrow. Cloudera empowers the public sector to transform complex data into clear and actionable insights for government agencies and organizations. Cloudera delivers an enterprise data cloud for any data, anywhere from the edge to AI. Powered by the relentless innovation of the open source community, Cloudera advances mission-critical digital transformation for the public sector's largest enterprises. Learn more at cloudera.com.
7: Are you struggling to maintain data quality in your big data initiatives? A complicated web of applications and data sources make it difficult to scale these projects. What's the secret to success? Automated end-to-end data pipeline orchestration. Control-M from BMC gives you full visibility and control over every aspect of your data pipeline so you can deliver new services faster and with less errors. Learn how BMC can help orchestrate your agency's data pipeline needs at bmc.com slash public sector. Here's Gary Newgard, Vice President of Public Sector at Pure Storage.
4: At Pure, we are committed to helping transform government IT with our industry-leading flash storage solutions and modern data experience. With simplified business models like Evergreen and Pure as a Service, agencies are able to greatly reduce the complexity and expense of managing their data infrastructure.
7: Learn more about Pure Storage. Visit purestorage.com. That's purestorage.com.
1: Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about big data, and we're just getting ready to get into top priorities. And I'm going to throw it over to you, Tom. Uh, Give us the top priorities for the next 6 to 12 months at the Department of Navy. So, you know, we actually
3: have a a, a large number of priorities we're trying to get after, but we, we actually have a short list of things that we're focusing in on right now and for the next, like you said, six to 12 months or so. Mm -hmm. Number one priority really is getting after the data uh, quality. Uh, Looking at the data itself uh, making sure that we have uh, controlled vocabularies or uh, master data associated with our data. And then the kind of corollary to that that a lot of people forget is digging in on the trustworthiness of the data, Um, whether or not you believe the data to be accurate and whether or not you're willing to make a decision from that data. And that actually turns out to be very complicated because it's mission sensitive and it's context sensitive. The same piece of information with the same quality level uh, used for two different types of uh, decisions might be a different uh, trustworthiness level. And so we're having trouble kind of codifying that in a, in a quality perspective, in a quantitative perspective, but we're getting after it. Uh, so quality and trustworthiness is kind of our top priority. Our second priority is actually the evolution of our workforce or the acumen, the data skills of our workforce, right? Getting our folks to understand the value of data, getting them trained on how to exploit data once they have access to it, and then getting them comfortable with using data to make decisions, real live data, and getting not so much away from PowerPoint, but digging in on, um, you know, if you have a dashboard, uh, using it for the purpose of decision making, and then um, capturing that dashboard at the time and space you made the decision, which is uh, emerging as a kind of a legal issue for us of, you know, what did you make the decision on? And that actually leads me into my third priority, which is something that we're, we're starting to see emerge now, and I'm sure everyone probably has a similar experience, which is what uh, I call dashboard sprawl. Uh, we have hundreds of dashboards, uh, co- I'll pick COVID for example, the DOD has settled on a very specific set of dashboards for COVID. Uh, I have seen now uh, 12 different representations of the same countrywide dashboard picture uh, across different departments and different agencies in the government, the DoD has R1, the Navy has one, the Marine Corps has one. Uh, right. you know, uh, it, so you know, which one do you believe? So we're actually going through this activity of not only certifying data sources as high quality and trustworthy, um, but the representation of that data in the form of a dashboard is, you know, we're thinking about some sort of green check mark that says when you wanna know about topic X, You go to this dashboard or this set of dashboards. The other dashboards can be informative. Maybe they're in development or maybe they're an alternate view or maybe it's a customized viewpoint or whatever. Not saying that they're not also uh, authoritative per se, but we do want to kind of just narrow in and say, you know, given all these advanced tools to our users, but these are the ones you really want to focus in on. And that's uh, something that has really emerged with, uh, with our senior leadership, the SECNAV, under SECNAV. CNO, VCNO, Commandant, oh, NACMAC,
1: or say, where do I go and get the answer? Ron, how about NASA? Give us, uh, give us uh, your top two priorities over the next six months.
0: So, um, Luke, it's a good question. I, I think our number one thing is the cultural shift. You know, this is a strength of the uh, agency, it's also a weakness of the agency. A lot of, um, a lot of our folks really um, are taking personal ownership of their data so that is uh, great because it shows that commitment to mission. It shows that linkage to uh, to why they're there, um, but it's also a hindrance when we have to sort of share it across the enterprise. So so that cultural shift of why we're doing this is really really important. Um, you know, um, to to share it for the greater good. But but we're we're shifting to. Making uh, the awareness of 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 we are one agency. You know, um, a lot of folks have worked in NASA for many many years. We are the number one uh, agency according to the Fed score across government right now. So there is that that definite long term commitment to mission. But that cultural shift is um, is really really important for us. The awareness of why we're doing it. And then secondly um, is data protection. You know, we want to make sure we. Uh, we do classify things properly. We put the right protection around our data. Uh, our largest data set in NASA is our scientific data. And we have petabytes and petabytes of data a- actually uh, available to the public. You know? so, so that's the largest data set, but we don't need quite the same protection of that than we do to you know some of our partner data, for example. Um, you know, We have our, our, our public private partnerships right now we're doing with uh, companies such as SpaceX and Boeing. Um, where we do uh, have their proprietary data, um, you know, uh, that we have to protect and, and, and what, what do we need to share and, and how we need to share it is something we're really looking at. And then I touched on standards and interoperability. That's, that's a, a core thing that we're doing is how are we going to move uh, data between the, um, the purpose-built containers initially, so it's a phased approach to more open standards and interoperable standards. So those are our our top three things.
1: Nice, tight set of priorities. They're good focus. Mike, how about at Department of Defense, top two priorities for you?
2: So top two priorities uh, are all about enabling the kind of cultural change we just heard about from NASA. And, and, And I'll talk about those two priorities that we're using to create that cultural change. First of them is a balanced scorecard, which I mentioned earlier. We're in the very first phase of maturity of the balance scorecard. That's where you're reporting what has happened already. Um, As we get that vetted down, we'll move through the next two phases. In phase two, the level of maturity is about predicting the future. What could happen? Leading indicators of performance, which of course need a lot of statistical validation before you can have confidence in them. And then in the final phase of maturity, what should happen? What do we want to make happen? It's all about triggers and thresholds and, and getting telemetry feeding back out to drive operational processes through automation rather than through manual intervention. So um, what has happened, what could happen, what should happen, those are the three phases of maturity we're working our way through over the next 12 months. And there's a significant change that drives a whole new set of behaviors in the department. Um, the second priority I'd like to talk about, Luke, is something we call game changer, which is a policy analytics tool. Some mm-hmm. of my colleagues here on the panel have talked about the difference between um, structured data and unstructured data. Most policy documents, most law, statutory requirements, that's all unstructured. It's free form text. And often you get it from an image, a PDF image in the first place. So you've got to turn the image into, uh, ta- into letters, the letters into words, sentences, paragraphs, documents, et cetera and make it available to people to understand. Just as a quick example, Luke, we have over 1,900 policy documents at the OSD level. That's more than 60 million words. And if you really wanna use that policy or you wanna compare it to the US code, you need a tool that lets you not only do keyword search, but do semantic search. So you understand the intent behind the actual policies as they were written, how well they match with the law as as it uh, exists today. And of course, these things evolve on a continuous basis. So we've created a tool called Game Changer for policy analytics that lets you work through the not only the actual letter of the law, but the intent of the law and the policy in order to modernize the way the department operates. And so it's the semantic search that's coming on strong now. There's a whole lot of work ahead of us on that to uh, in, uh, incorporate the use of that semantic search capability into the day-to-day processes of the department uh, as we move people away from looking at old-fashioned uh, paper, right? On
1: A very good focus on his priorities and super impressive to hear that. Well, we only have a few minutes left and we always like to end with uh, painting a picture of the future. Uh, I want to have each of you uh, just briefly describe, you know, what can we expect as uh, we look over the next couple of years? John, we'll start with you at BMC. Yeah, yeah, great. So look, I I think it's pretty safe to say that the future is one where
6: Clearly, technology is going to be embedded in human lives. It's going to shape how we work, how we live. I don't think that's any different than it is today. Um, There are disruptive technologies that have already brought about some pretty dramatic changes to the way that um, public and private organizations have to operate. We don't think that that's going to slow down anytime soon. So, clearly, the future of the government is going to look far different than it does today. We think it's going to be a combination of technology. Socioeconomic, economic um, geopolitical, uh, heck, even the, the stuff that we're dealing with right now in this pandemic, these are the things that are gonna create the new normal for organizations and that's gonna continue to evolve. But we do think every organization at its end is going to be not only tech-driven, they're gonna be data-driven. Um, these are gonna be organizations that we think really empower their CDOs, they support their CDOs to move swiftly They're gonna develop a a true data mindset at their core. They're gonna establish analytical capabilities to help deliver results. Um, They're gonna be capturing um, exponentially more data from many more sources than they do today. So they're gonna be capturing new data from IoT, social media, in addition to the traditional Mm -hmm. places that they capture it from today. They're going to realize that there is incredible value to be gained from those assets. And you'll see that they'll start treating those data assets like any other critical asset in the organization looking for opportunities to leverage that asset with high value cases. And then lastly, what we definitely see, we're starting to see it today, organizations are going to really, really start leveraging AI and analytics to extract even greater actionable insights from the data insets, creating predictive models with machine learning, so on and so forth. So I think all of these factors are going to help define the the,
1: the role that government plays for all of us in the future. Henry, how about at uh, Cloudera? What can we expect?
5: I, I think there's, um, you know, we're in a really interesting period. Uh, what, what the whole world has gone through, there's been, you um, devastation and very hard things. But one of the good things about it is I think this is a, a generational shift in technology and the use of technology from uh, from top to bottom um, and, and that everyone is leveraging uh, uh, you know, remote, remote working. We're going to have new innovations on that. Front. And I think it's going to involve uh, greater things, right? So it's going to gra- do greater things around thinking about your data strategy. Um, I, I see a shifting away from you know, uh, point specific things like IT modernization or cloud strategy. We're actually going to start thinking about uh, more directly about our, our data. How, what, what do we need? How's it shaped? What are we going to be doing it? How, how are we going to gain, gain value? And I see this is in the near term future that much more significant strategy is gonna be around that independent of vendor, independent of any of those pieces, that's gonna drive innovation in machine learning, AI, um, storage, capability, access, and and we're gonna see that starting to um, greatly impact missions uh, coming into the future.
1: And Nick, how about a pure storage? Uh, wh- what's it look like for you, you all over the horizon?
4: So we're going to continue you know, driving on responsiveness to customer needs, particularly in, in really three key areas, delivering self-driving infrastructure by building control planes and data planes for seamless integration of the infrastructure uh, to support deployment and implementation in current and, and, and really the infrastructures of the future, unifying the on-prem and off-prem experience to make the distinction between them invisible and that'll facilitate the rationalization of deployment of data and services on-premises and in the cloud. So the continuing discovery and definition of, you know, what makes most sense for customers to have where. The second one is improving performance and efficiency. So driving down energy consumption and improving space efficiency. We've got uh, we've got a significant amount of electricity being drawn to drive these systems and their their supporting infrastructure, and it's going to become strategically impactful. Uh, to the United States, so we've got a we've got to look at reducing the overall consumption of energy and materials to deliver data to the customer, and then finally canceling technical debt. So getting rid of the boat anchor legacy infrastructures, uh, eliminating the 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 process for letting RFPs and so on and so forth in order to let our customers take advantage of the latest technology. Our idea is that you should be able to buy it once and then it gets sustained indefinitely and improved non-disruptively. Um, over the course of the service life. And these subscription models and procurement models of of as-a-service have really started to show us uh, in in the government how that is possible. Uh, So refined procurement and deployment models where nearly everything is as-a-service, and that'll relieve the sustainment burden on government agencies and budgets and cancel technical debt.
1: Uh, Ron, how about at NASA? What can we expect? Uh, I know you're on your way to Mars. Uh, What's next? I mean, what can we expect over the course of uh, the next uh, couple of years.
0: So this is a pretty exciting time for us, Luke. We, uh, we're we going through a transformation effort, and digital is part of that, and we are going to be uh, taking um, a really uh, holistic look across the agency. Uh, I've been tapped to co-lead that effort along with uh, my colleague Joe Marlowe and I, so we're going to be doing transformation uh, across. So I, as the chief data officer, will be Uh, moving up to what we call our A suite. That's where the administrative suite is and taking our roles and elevating it broader. So, so the, uh, the, the, here is our charge. Yeah, it is. It is very exciting. And, and look, I believe this is a really a model to follow for other agencies and organizations too. So Mm -hmm. our goal is to really empower our people and partners to, to really reinvent our products, our processes, and and really what we do. And taking advantage of of advancements, like we we heard today from from our fellow panel members, in in technology, taking advancements in what's changing and how we're we're working differently. And look at those cutting edge um, techniques and bringing them into everything we do. Now, um, you know, we have... uh, uh, seven thrust areas um, uh, around uh, artificial intelligence machine learning. So not too many agencies actually have um, code uh, off planet. So uh, you know I think there's only one other uh, agency and that's uh, in in the in the uh, Air Force realm now with SpaceX. But we're actually using artificial intelligence on other planets to analyze uh, the soil composition for example. Collaboration is another thrust area that we have and that is how we work not only internally but how we work externally with our commercial partners and then culture and workforce. You know, I talked about the cultural shift in, in the last uh, uh, question right. and, and what do we, what do we want that culture to be? How do we want it to transform and and make sure our workforce is giving the tools and opportunities to, to succeed. Uh, model-based uh, engineering is another uh, uh, area where we are taking um, uh, advancements in, in, in commercial, um, uh, models and how we do things, and 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 going back and looking at our empirical tests of of how we do, you know, our our, our stacking of rockets and, and test for things. And that's Data fantastic. Is, I think yeah. that
1: partnership of you know, the public private partnership that's going on at NASA is just uh, really incredible. Tom, how about at Department of Navy? Uh, well, what's it look like uh, as we look over the horizon? What do you see? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so. I think
3: the, uh, for the next couple of years, really, the focus is going to be predominantly on data integration, data fusion, and then making that data available to the customers of the data. Uh, decreasing the time to market, as it will, from where the data is created to the data is consumed for decisions. Uh, and creating, you know, I hate to say this, it's a little cliche, that single pane of glass. Uh, but give commanders the data they need, when they need it, where they need it. And then one of the unique things, which I'm, you know, I think Ron probably shares and Michael's familiar with, which is the DoD is in an environment that is bandwidth constrained. In many cases, we have a highly expeditionary workforce, not quite Mars rover expeditionary, Um, but uh, the the point being is, uh, you know, most folks in the commercial world are used to cloud-type technologies and broadband, and you know, always-on connectivity. Uh, we do have a lot of folks who may not have any network connectivity at all. Uh, we, they might have very limited connectivity. They might be disconnected for a large period of times and have to resynchronize with the network. So, the uh, capturing the disadvantage, the 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 what we call the D-Dill environment. Uh, and getting that, getting the data to the folks that need it, that are in those disadvantaged environments, is going to be a big push for us. And so that requires us to do a lot of what I call traffic shaping or you know wave shaping in terms of what data goes where, when, um, as well as prioritization. So you know is the is the Facebook page the first thing you want to download when the submarine surfaces? I would suspect not. Uh, but you know I suppose that's a localized commander's decision if you want to say that or not. Um, but so that's where integrating the data and rather giving bulk data sets, right, giving the integrated or even the pre-processed data to the commanders and then whenever they're uploading, say, sensor data, for example, to us, do we need the entire sensor suite or just the things that are important about the capture of the sensor? Uh, So those are the things that we're really struggling with over the next probably five years, I would say. Really
1: focusing on the, the, you know, sort of sophistication of what data when, since there's so much of it uh, to be downloaded, and, and trying to do that and, and keep it in a sort of a real-time fashion. Michael, take us home in regards to, you know, what does it look like at the superstructure at the Department of Defense over the next couple of years?
2: So at the overall Department of Defense level, Luke, um, we're working to harness data and a wide range of digital technologies for the simple reason we need to be much more agile and nimble to serve our stakeholders. Now, we have two fundamental sets of stakeholders, Luke, the warfighter and the taxpayer. And we yep. have to serve both of them. We have to enable ourselves to be better at serving both of them with rapid changes and rapid adjustments to changing circumstances. The warfighter faces some really determined adversaries and we all know who they are. We all know the resources they have to throw at some of the challenges they put in front of us. And we need to make the warfighter better armed, better responsive, more nimble to be able to, re- to, uh, to respond, uh, anticipate and prevent circumstances. At the same time, we also have to serve the taxpayer. We have to be good stewards of the taxpayer's money. And um, every four years, the taxpayers get to announce a new set of priorities for for government in general. And for us in particular, we're running right up into one of those sea changes or potential sea changes, and we're going to get a new set of mandates from taxpayers. And we simply need to be more nimble in government, more capable of responding to changes and All of the work we're doing around data, around analytics, around reshaping the culture, all of that is to make us more responsive to those two sets of stakeholders that we value so highly.
1: Well, that's all the time we have today. We could go all day, but unfortunately, we don't have all day. Um, But I would like to thank the guests for taking time out of their busy schedule to join us for this program. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum, part of the Federal News Network.
8: Thank you for listening to the 2020 Federal Executive
0: Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 15 years. This show was produced by the Tresup Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show
6: in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.